Welcome to The Baton, a John Williams musical journey. Join host Jeff Cummings as he takes you through the career of the illustrious film composer John Williams, starting with his debut in 1959 through more than 100 films in 60 years. Today we hear the music from Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, made in 1992. Now, here's your host, Jeff Cummings. If you had worked on the score to Home Alone and were asked to return to write music for the follow-up movie two years later, you wouldn't hesitate to say yes, would you? That's most likely what John Williams did when director Chris Columbus reached out to him for composing duties for Home Alone 2. But here's the thing. Was the enthusiasm still there after John Williams watched the film and noticed that it was pretty much a carbon copy of the original? The answer seems to be a resounding yes. Everything Williams heard about the film before he watched it was all positive, but I think most of those people were directly involved with the movie and were being paid to say good things about it to keep the world's best composer attached to it. It's unclear to me if Williams was told to just rehash a lot of the Oscar-nominated music from the original film, or if he came to that decision himself. But I have read that director Chris Columbus used music from the first film as a template for editing, and to have ideas to give to John Williams. So it's likely that there was a mutual decision to use a lot of pre-existing music, but also try to create somewhat of a new atmosphere. When you listen to the score as featured in Home Alone 2, it feels like a bit of a letdown for us Williams fans. This is the first sequel where Williams isn't broadening the scope of his first score and presenting us something almost entirely new. He was able to give us a new musical sound for his first sequel, Jaws 2, and definitely was able to do that with the Star Wars and Indiana Jones sequels. Now I hate to say this, but Home Alone 2 represents the first score where John Williams is seemingly phoning it in. Even some of the new music sounds like something any other composer could have written, though we can hear a few Williams touches in it. If I didn't know Williams was directly involved in Home Alone 2, I would have thought we were in a Superman 2 scenario where Williams wanted to work on the film, had some creative differences, and handed the reins to someone else who had just rehashed the first film score. But that's not to say there isn't an inspired moment or two, which I have found in a lot of the less-than-great scores I've discussed on this podcast. And to make his time seemingly worthwhile... Williams reunited with Leslie Brickus to write two new songs for the film. The original melody for Somewhere in My Memory from the 1990 film still remains as the main theme from Kevin McAllister, but the song itself is never played in the film. The two new songs don't have as much thematic purpose as Williams gave for the songs in the original film. The first one, Christmas Star, plays twice in the film. The first time comes when Kevin looks out on the Manhattan skyline and sees a mechanical star on a rooftop. If Home Alone 2 were a musical, Kevin would be performing this song, since it seems to echo his thoughts.
and it's interesting that the title of the song is never mentioned. The other song plays only during the end credits, called Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. This takes up the bulk of the credits and sounds like something a church choir would sing at the end of a Christmas morning service. I think this would have been a great song for carolers to sing in the film, if such a scene existed. one other original song in the film that is actually performed by the characters, and though it is not written by John Williams, I want to highlight it here. It's called My Christmas Tree, with music by Alan Menken, yeah, the guy who provided the music for The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, as well as Aladdin, which was Disney's newest movie that was trouncing Home Alone 2 at the box office. It's my understanding, based on timelines and previous commitments, that Williams was not available to provide a song for the film because it needed to be written before filming started in December 1991. At that time, Williams was knee-deep in the music for Hook, so it was a necessary choice for Columbus to reach out to the best songwriter in Hollywood at the time. Luckily, Mencken was available to crank out this quick song with lyricist Jack Feldman in time for it to be used in a scene when Kevin has a solo singing part and his older brother ruins the scene by shining electric candles behind Kevin's ears. 
The two original songs are the best part of the score, and it's sad their melodies weren't used more throughout the film. We do kind of hear the Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas melody when Kevin arrives at Duncan's toy store. Williams would take part of that composition and make a variation of it for his Double Trouble melody in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, and that's just one of the many melodies that find their origins in the Home Alone films. There are some lengthy chase scenes in Home Alone 2 that could have been livened up with the Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas melody as well, just as he did with the Star of Bethlehem theme for the chase across the ice rink in the first film. One chase that could have worked well with the new melodies is the first one, after Kevin and the burglars reconnect. Kevin runs through the streets foiling the burglars with some fake pearls, while his theme and the burglars theme make up most of the melodic construction of the chase music. It is a very complex piece of music with so much going on in the orchestra. It all feels a bit dangerous, but at the same time, it's a lot of fun. And I'm sure it was fun to write. But I feel Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas would have served as a better melody to use throughout the scene. So one thing I really like about the score to Home Alone 2 is the increased appearance of the burglar's theme and the way more of the orchestra backs up the theme that's played on the bassoon. The introduction of Harry and Marv as they arrive in New York City in a fish truck still feels comical, but just a bit more threatening than we heard in the 1990 version. 
The tuba kind of helps with that. And then there's the music that plays just as Marv, Harry, and Kevin meet again. The last little crescendo comes directly from the first film, when Kevin put the tarantula on Marv's face. One of the few scenes that features entirely new music is a scene in which the concierge of the Plaza Hotel, played with oily villainy by Tim Curry, goes into the room Kevin managed to get using his father's credit card. The concierge, named Hector, doesn't think Kevin is in town with his father and sneaks into the room to investigate. There's a nice melody on the low strings mixed in with more frantic music for Kevin's rush to fool Hector. Thank you. 
Another scene that uses entirely new music comes when Kevin visits his uncle's empty brownstone, and we see all the potential traps he will concoct a bit later. Music turns atonal as Kevin wanders the scary streets of Manhattan and his theme returns. A lot of great atonal chords to unsettle us here, and even that main theme doesn't sound exactly right. Brenda Fricker, who won an Oscar for her supporting performance for My Left Foot in 1989, has a nice role in Home Alone 2 as a homeless woman whose main purpose in life is feeding pigeons. Given Fricker's pedigree as an Oscar winner, I'm surprised Williams did not give her a theme. It's cacophony inside the atonal music as Kevin and we think she's going to harm Kevin when they first meet.
But the pigeon lady turns out to be nice, and the woodwinds are there to tell us so. There's nothing of any major melodic construction to constitute a melody there, which, again, was a missed opportunity. I think Brenda Fricker deserved a John Williams theme composed for her, don't you? Now, the last time we see her is when Kevin hands her a turtle dove to cement their friendship, even though it's highly unlikely the two will ever see each other again. In that scene, it's Kevin's theme playing. Now, why not a theme for the Pigeon Lady, or a theme for their friendship? Fricker is only in four scenes, and two of them would have called for such a theme. Perhaps Williams thought the effort of coming up with a theme for her was not worth it, given the brief screen time she had. But then again, Old Man Marley got a cool theme in the first Home Alone, and he and the Pigeon Lady are almost identical in their depictions. Oh well, let's move on. Going down the list of musical cues I wrote down in my notes, I marked an asterisk next to scenes that featured music directly lifted from the first Home Alone movie. There were a lot of asterisks. I don't count the reuse of previous themes, which is often and understandable. But the copy and paste of music from the first movie only made me think of how great the first film's score is and how much I'd rather be watching the 1990 film. One of the cues that I marked with a lot of asterisks was the setting the trap scene when Kevin runs to his uncle's brownstone to set up booby traps to help him later wreak havoc on the burglars again. I was not surprised to hear this music, but at least there are nice flourishes to help give it some new life.
There's a rule in sequels to make things bigger. And boy, did Chris Columbus do that with the long sequence in the brownstone. The booby traps are much more painful, and I wasn't laughing at all. Daniel Stern sliding down the steps or getting hit with an iron were kind of funny the first time. Getting attacked in the crotch by a staple gun or getting severely electrocuted in the second movie was just too much. Williams is there for music throughout, providing some brief musical segments that mimic what he did in the first film. And that mimicking continues to the reunion between Kevin and his mom at Rockefeller Center. It's a big orchestral performance of Somewhere in My Memory, which is apropos for the scene, so no complaints there. family is back together and spending the night in a big suite in the Plaza Hotel. They wake up to find a lot of presents under a Christmas tree, with Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas accompanying their delight, and that's followed by music from the first film from when Kevin runs down the stairs Christmas morning to find no one in the house. In most of the scores I've talked about on this podcast that didn't register much excitement from me, I've said that the soundtrack release didn't change my feelings about the music. But in talking about Home Alone 2, that is not true. The 2002 release by Verise Sarabande, which offered up a great presentation of the score, allowed me to get a better sense of the new music. A lot of the fans of this score will agree, especially given the debacle that surrounded the first release in 1992. That soundtrack presentation followed the trend of releasing two CDs for films that had a lot of songs included, such as Batman in 1989 and Dick Tracy in 1990. Like those two movies, Home Alone 2 had a CD released of just the songs from the film, with Bette Midler also performing an expanded version of Somewhere in My Memory for that CD. And Williams was given his own CD for just the score, but the sound was decidedly muffled because the material came from a copy of the original recordings, which was a very unusual procedure, especially for a big-budget film. Verisay Sarabande fixed the problem in their CD release to the delight of many people, and La La Land Records offered up a little more missing music in their 2012 presentation. 
And even though critics bashed Home Alone 2 for looking just like the original and hated the increased intensity of the violence on Harry and Marv, the sequel made a lot of money. Not as much as the original, but enough to rank Home Alone 2 as the third highest grossing film of 1992 behind Aladdin and The Bodyguard. Since it made a lot of money, the natural plan was to keep the franchise going. 20th Century Fox actually wanted to film Home Alone 3 immediately after Home Alone 2, but that didn't happen. By the time production was ready to start on it again in the mid-1990s, Culkin decided to quit acting, and Chris Columbus moved on to other things. And without Columbus involved, it seemed like John Williams wouldn't be a part of Home Alone 3 either. Nick Glennie Smith, who was just starting out as a protege to Oscar-winning composer Hans Zimmer, wrote the music for Home Alone 3. So 1992 was a very busy year for John Williams, but he was surprisingly not given the high-profile assignment of writing music for the 1992 Olympics taking place in Barcelona, Spain. Williams wrote a main theme for the 1984 Olympics and composed music for NBC's Olympic coverage in 1988, but he sat out 1992 as Angelo Badalamenti wrote a forgettable theme for the 1992 Games. But don't worry, John Williams will be back in business for the 1996 Olympics. In any case, Williams needed all of his energy for what was going to be a very memorable 1993. Two big films from Steven Spielberg needed his music, and there was also the planned final summer season with the Boston Pops to conduct. I have a lot to discuss about that busy year in the next two episodes, starting with my analysis on the next episode with Jurassic Park. And David Kay will be joining me. I hope you'll join us for it. So thanks as always for joining me. And by now, you know how to reach me via email at jeffswim at aol.com or through a comment on the Podbean app. And if you don't follow me on Twitter yet, just do so at the Twitter handle Jeff Swim. Looking forward to the next episode, everybody. And until then, the baton is down. (laughs) 